<laughs> There's a whole sock monkey culture connected to all this. I believe that Einstein was a lazy procrastinator like me. Yeah, but can you guys tell me what this has to do with um, web design? Welcome to Einstein and Sock Monkey, the podcast for web geeks and website owners. I'm one of your hosts, Ron Zazadinsky, and... And I'm Steve Martin, and we have a special guest with us today. Yes, we do. The guy who's been on every single podcast but never actually recorded with us. <laughs> live, uh, anyway. Yeah, live. Nick Armstrong. Welcome, Nick. Well, Thank Nick. you. Yeah, I, I finally got something longer than 60 seconds to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, you know, we heard that on the great, through the grapevine. You're, you're assuming we don't edit you out completely. Oh, well. <laughs> it's happened before. <laughs> it will happen. And so we are going to be talking to uh, Nick a little bit later about what he does and is going to do and so on and so forth. So fear not, you shall hear more from and about Nick later. So uh, how's everybody else doing? Fine? Yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm doing... It's, it's actually been a great week. I um, It hasn't been super overloaded work-wise. I mean, we've got a lot going on, but I've kind of got things under control, it seems like, for like two days, <laughs> so that I'm not overwhelmed, which is great. Except I do have to share the sad news that I shared with you earlier, which is I dropped my favorite <laughs> coffee mug getting out of my car into a storm drain on the street outside of our recording studio, and it's like... Storm drains are nasty. Oh, it's like five feet deep, and you can just see it sitting down there so sad at the bottom with all the leaves. I, mean, I should have mentioned this earlier, but if you want to borrow my daughter to... She's really skinny. <laughs> the sticker down there. I here. just have this vision <laughs> of like, CNN. She's like coffee recording. mug golem down there. <laughs> <laughs> My precious. My precious coffee mug. Well, Dang it. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, for sure. It's well, it's a good day sad. for me, Steve. What, what, why is that, Nick? We compared styluses earlier. That's right. Ooh. And I, it I sounds kind of like yours not. better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's is longer? Sorry. Steve's? <laughs> Well, I, I, just, I just recently got an iPad, so I'm trying to find a... Nick tells me that I need to throw away or quit buying the dead paper versions of a mole, mole skine, verb, book, whatever those are called. Yeah, I, I use them all the time. use a penultimate, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying... I, I got a stylus, and I'm trying to use penultimate. I took some notes at work today, and I got some strange looks. <laughs> it's, you know, it's worth the strange looks. I think it's just jealousy. I think so, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just getting used to writing on a digital surface that it's like, I mean it's really fast response, but it's still like a microsecond behind oh, when you write. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's not it's it's seriously not as satisfying as a pen yet. <clears throat> right. The day that they come up with something that's as satisfying to write, like a pen on paper, that's when paper will go away. Hmm. Right. We can hope. We can hope. Anyway, <laughs> well, let's uh, get on with the news. Well, um, I'll do the first news item today, and this is not exactly news, but I thought it was pretty hilarious. Um, the the blog Six Revisions, it's about design, uh, web design, basically. And they have this great cartoon. Um, I will not try to describe it all, but it's web designers versus web developers. They actually not a cartoon. They call it an infographic. Well, it kind of is. I checked it out when I saw your link. Yeah, because I've got the cartoon up top, but then down below they do have like stats and charts. They, and they actually do have some stats, so it is technically an infographic. Um, I did think I thought it was interesting that um, it looks like a web developer 
uh, as far as their stats go, gets paid almost twice what a web designer does median salary. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot more web development jobs, like a million, 1.3 million in the U.S., as opposed to 200,000 web design jobs. Now, I'm guessing that does not take into account freelancers. No, and it's, you yeah, know, it probably seems awfully short. It seems it's, it's probably just those hardcore coding jobs. Isn't it really what it is? Nobody wants to code in ASP.net anymore. That's what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think those are some of the highest paid coders I know. out there. Flex coders and ASP.net. Which is why your business is, is, is thriving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, people it, it like does, me, freelancers don't want to do it. it was, I don't yeah. want to touch it. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard, too much to keep it's hard up to with. find them because they're all fully employed, actually. Yeah, and it does say they got the stuff from the uh, from BLS.gov, the Bureau of, Bureau of Labor, uh, <clears throat> Labor Statistics. Huh. So you know that's not going to have freelancers and stuff. So I'm curious. Oh, I see because I know, in, especially in Old Town Fort Collins, you like you throw a rock and you hit five web designers. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I learned a duck. <laughs> they would have hit six, but I learned. You duck. don't look very bruised, so I think no. you're succeeding. <laughs> In this cartoon, I do especially like the esoteric T-shirt on each of the guys. The web designer has one that says Helvetica, and the uh, the coder has "There's no place like 127.0.0.1." I have that shirt. No, you do. <laughs> you got the cap with the head in the front and the closing head tag. I that. do. Yeah. Yes. They'd have put the social media guy in there, but there's no stats on how much uh, how much weed they smoke. That's that's the, that's the differentiating factor among those statistics, right there. Could be. I was wearing that shirt one day, and one of my friends said, "There's no place like localhost." I was like, "Come on!" <laughs> it was kind of funny. Yeah, my wife doesn't even allow me to just explain jokes like that to me anymore. She's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to admit to anybody that I understand that. <laughs> I want to be blissfully ignorant. Anyway. You're, you're hurting your wife's street cred. <laughs> I know. So what does it say about – what does she do? What does your wife do? Uh, she's a stay-at-home mom. Oh, okay. Know. So a stay-at-home mom street cred is better than a geek's. <laughs> 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 Who's she got to report to? That's what I want to know. Like, who, she doesn't want to be embarrassed in front of like the all the other girls. stay-at-home moms. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. okay. I had to, I just had to describe to her one time what you know, like the reference to a red shirt, you know, like a show, like oh, it's a red shirt. Like a, and not the football right. term. I I just right. learned that this is a football term. Apparently, that's right. I forgot that it is. I did not know that until this is how much I've I've known this for years about the term red shirt because right. I've been a Trekkie Star Trek yeah. forever. But then I was like, somebody said college. You know, they red shirt them. For, I was like, they kill them in the first episode. <laughs> they kill them in the first season. What's going on? Yeah. So I told her what that meant, and she got pretty upset that now she knows. So she won't admit. If you ask her now, she won't admit she knows. <laughs> anyway, go on. Go ahead, uh, Ron. Okay. Um, well, the first news item I want to share is something that I just discovered on my iPhone 4, which maybe you all knew about, but I was super excited about this, that you know, when you're uh, taking photos or recording video, and this only works on recording video, but wouldn't it be nice to have a remote to start your video? And it turns out on the iPhone 4, if you have the video app really? running and you have your microphone headset plugged in and you click the start, stop, play, it starts recording. Really? Isn't that sweet? Does it do that with the uh, camera? It does not do it with oh. the camera, which would have been even better because then you've got your remote, you know, shutter trigger thing. But it does work yeah. with video, which is pretty cool. We're going to send that snippet to Steve Jobs <laughs> and just pray that he opens that email. <laughs> I don't know. He might turn off that feature yeah. if he does. Yeah. Who knows? 
So I thought that was very cool. So if you do a lot of video recording and you want to have a little remote, you can do it. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> Just click That's your really play pause button on your headset. Well, thank you. Yeah, you, have some... you know, I, I found out recently about um, Facebook messages and just, you know, with everybody else in the world. <laughs> Since um, it was just they, they did just launch it. And my, the, the best news story came from Gizmodo. Um, and, you know, Mark Zuckerberg went on and had a great presentation on, on this thing that was supposed to take over email or be better than email. Um, and basically what it is, it incorporates email, Facebook messages, SMS, chat clients. They're going to put Skype in there at some point. It's pretty crazy. That does sound crazy. Like Skype integrating with all of that sounds yeah. really weird because that's not. Well, I don't know if it's service. Skype proper. I think oh, it might just Skype be voice over IP. Yeah, uh, Skype type. Okay. Huh. And you know, this is I, I. I look at this, and they've you know obviously done their homework. With they've got threaded conversations. They've got friends only. They call it the social inbox, which has your personal messages, and it sorts mm-hmm. by you know people you like, people you don't like, <laughs> and it keeps the people you don't like out of that social inbox. Huh. Um, so you can have like a family only inbox if you wanted to. But what and he, Mark Zuckerberg stressed this is not a Gmail killer. He said I don't want this to be a Gmail killer. Yeah, He's that, right. That was a lot of the pre-launch stuff. Was oh they're going to yeah. launch a Gmail killer? Yeah, and it's not. It's completely not. Well, and for more than one reason. But the the biggest for me is I don't want Facebook in my email. Right. I don't want them to touch it because the privacy concerns that they've shown just from having my birthday, my phone number, my email address, my address. If I had chosen to put it in there, it would have been a privacy concern, but I didn't. Um, my photos, having to go through and individually tag each of the um, each of the uh, privacy settings on each of the albums. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So why would I want to hand over my most personal digital asset email in this case to Facebook? I That's a good know. point. Yeah, I'm not sure what the uh, what the appeal will be. But I don't know on the privacy side of it. I mean I use Gmail. Do you use Gmail? I do. And yeah. you know they've got access to all of your Email, obviously, and yeah, but it's right in their mission statement. Do no evil. I mean, that might. Some people argue that that makes them evil, but <laughs> right, right. I think I think that if somebody's going to have it, whether it's AOL or Google or you know CompuServe, if you're old school, they're going to have that data on you anyway. I might as well have somebody who you know believes in all sorts of you know free stuff. I don't mind them having it. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it all goes at the Facebook thing. I, I think it'll be an interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I hope it's not. You know, Google had some really good things happening with Buzz, and the thing that killed off Buzz was the privacy concerns. Was it? Yeah. It, that the thing, and they're getting sued for it still. Well, and they Buzz, actually have really? a settlement what, come it, out. I mean, they, can, they canceled Wave, right? Yeah. But isn't Buzz still out there? Buzz, they had a they had a settlement lawsuit. Uh-huh. A settlement for a lawsuit that was a class action suit. So they're donating like $40 million to organizations that are dedicated to digital privacy and teaching that stuff. Interesting. And I couldn't get the digital gunslingers on that list, but <laughs> <laughs> can't get some Google money in to fund that stuff. But that would it, have been sweet. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's going to be a really um, – you know they've they've settled. They didn't admit any liability to it, but they said, "Hey, you know, we understand there were privacy concerns." But is Buzz still in existence out there? I haven't I, looked. I don't know. I personally have turned it off because I don't I don't like it. I don't trust it. I don't want to use it. 
I, I know that it's still somewhat intact because you have to have it to open up a Google profile. Mm -hmm. And if you want that Google profile, which is important for SEO, then you got to have Buzz. But I used it on a different email account because it, what happens is when you turn on Google profiles, you also expose your email address. Right. Which in, in my case wasn't my name. And so I didn't want to have that out there. So I just registered one that was my name, set up a profile there, and then imported email from I the see. other account. Gotcha. I still like all the, you know, as far as the Facebook email versus Google email, I'm we use Google apps for lots of stuff. So I'm very embedded in that system and it works And their spam filter for Google is just fantastic. So I have no intention of uh, trying it out, but I will be curious to see what others experiences and exactly what the how, service it, how it works is. having all those services in one. Yeah. Cause um, it's like one of those things that in theory, it sounds like a good idea. It's like a one-stop shop, but I mean, a lot of those things have different purposes mm -hmm. and, some some people even have different. I mean, they use different things for different parts of their life. Yeah, yeah might be trying to do too much. <clears throat> yeah, all at once. Like I use, we use GTalk at work all the time. Like everybody has to have a GTalk account to communicate. But I don't use that with anybody outside work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. Well, it's the pimps and hoes conundrum, right? The pimp's got to have the tall, the big hat. The you know, the hoes got to wear something skimpy. <laughs> got to have different different approaches to different tools. Wow, I I'd not heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! This is probably why I don't have anything longer than a minute. <laughs> yeah, just wow. for safety Mental reasons. Note. Yeah. Well, let's keep moving on. We got lots of uh, news <laughs> items. Yeah. So uh, let me share one. I just released a CSS a new book, CSS three for web designers by Dan Cederholm. This is the second book in the uh, the A Book Apart series, which uh, we are big fans of. And you can buy the book now. Paperbacks will start shipping on November 22nd. The email or the URL is books.alistapart.com. And the first book was HTML5 for Web Designers by Jeremy Keith, which was great. So I'm really looking forward to this book by Dan. And by the way, the book is $18 plus shipping, but they have a paper book ebook bundle for only $23, bucks, so 5 bucks nice. more. And that includes the paperback book, the ebook, which comes in three formats PDF, EPUB, and Mobi. I love that. It comes in three formats, or you it, choose? I, it's not clear from the intro text. Okay. It looks like it comes in all, like you get all three, but I, I don't know. I love it. Yeah. That's, it, I'm, if, honestly, if books want to stay relevant, publishing houses, they got to do that. Yep. So that's the, the, I found out the other day because I, I do some marketing on the side for a, a big company um, that you can't. Give like you know how publishers send out galleys. Galleys are like unfinished, rough forms of a book to okay. bloggers. They send out free copies of the book. Okay, you can't do that with a Kindle, and you can't do that with the um, you can't do that with an EPUB file. You can't gift it on iTunes, and you can't gift it on Amazon. Huh. Neither one will let you send a free version of a of the Kindle book hmm. or the iBook version. Right. Yeah, but if it. they make it a PDF, they can do that. Right? Yeah, you could. You could send it as a PDF. <laughs> But, you know, you'd have to have an iPad or something, you know, you have to trust that they're actually going to read it. Right. But it would be really cool because you know that people, if they get something on their Kindle, are going to read it or their iPad or whatever. Yeah. yeah, at least open it up. Yeah. Hmm. But you can't do it. Weird. I think that that's a major flaw. That's major flaw. Weird. I've gotten more in the ebooks because, it, like, I've, I'm a big fan of Seth Godin's stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love Lynchpin. It's one of his, I think it's most recent book. And I've listened to it on Audible, and I went ahead and bought the uh, 
the I forget if I got the Kindle or the iBooks version because I can search it right now. Yeah. I'm like where did he? What was he saying about the guy in Queens? Right. So I'll type in Queens and I can find it. Sweet, which I cannot do in the Dead Tree version. <laughs> you have another <clears throat> news item, Steve? Yeah. Um, I was all excited to sign up for Interaction Eleven in Boulder. I went onto the website. I was talking all my coworkers into going. What's what's Interaction Eleven? Is it an UI conference? It's like yeah, it's it's put on the, by the uh, the IXDA, the Interaction Design Association. Right. Okay. And this year it happens to be in Boulder. Yeah, so we were all <clears> excited <throat> because it's local. Nice. We don't have to have airfare and hotel and yeah. all that. Yeah, no kidding. And so I went out to sign up, but they're sold out. And I know, it's not I until it. was like March. That's February. Fe- okay, February. So if anybody out there has an extra ticket, let Two me know. Two extra tickets. <laughs> Two extra tickets. <laughs> I really want to go to. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I saw a tweet from Whitney Hess that she was looking for a ticket because she didn't. It turns out she does have one, but um, that was the first they even heard the tickets were on sale because we checked not that long ago on the yeah. site and tickets were not yet on sale they and now really, they're sold out. Really fast. So I'm really. Probably most everybody that. in Boulder bought one. Yeah. I, I <laughs> think most of the street walkers on Pearl Street <laughs> have bought a there. ticket. Yeah. <laughs> well, we definitely want tickets. So if but there's a black market for them, uh, definitely. we're in the market. But at least I, the IA Summit in 2011 is also in Denver this year, right down the street nice. from us. And that's in March. Um, what are the dates you had them written down? Uh, I deleted that. Uh, anyway, end of April to beginning of March. <laughs> it's March Sorry. 30th to April 3rd. April 3rd, okay. Anyway, the tickets are not yet on sale for that. They're going to be $750, and if you're a member of the IA Institute or uh, ACIST, then you can get 150 off, and I'm a member of the IA Institute. And it's like 40 bucks to be a member. Yeah, so it's a big so savings. So it's worth it if you're not. Yeah. Um, but they're asking for proposals now, so if anybody has any proposals for talks, um, go to the IA, go to org. And when you want to find out when registration does open, they recommend following them on Twitter. It's at IA Summit. Are you going to pitch a talk, Steve? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think so. What about Johan? You should get you, you and Johan should get together. He's, he's been on the show before. You should get them together and, and do a talk like a joint. You know, you could do good cop, bad cop, user interface style. That's that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I would I th- like. To see I think that. I'm going to go just uh, be a spectator this time. Okay. Uh, I, I've not been to the IA Summit yet. But anyway. Yeah. For, and for IXDA, since it's close, I was actually thinking, you know, you could do the old hall lurking thing if you can get in. Yeah, that's true. I don't and think just, they'll let you in the door. And just meet people and chat and, you know, hang yeah. out at the bars well, they do and say restaurants the, afterward. The conference is in the between the sessions or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the big deal. So, so that could be – I've never done that. But uh, <laughs> this could be an opportunity if we can't get a ticket. Just carry a guitar with you. I'm with the band. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good plan. Just carry uh, an iPad around, and you'll yeah. look, you'll fit in. You'll be <laughs> exactly. We'll figure, out, we'll figure out a way somehow. Uh, so I had a conference, too, to uh, report about, which is Future of Web Apps, which I am very interested in. And the next one in the United States is in Las Vegas, February 7 through 9. And they've got a pretty big group of headliners. Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Tara Hunt, Jason Calacanis, and Kevin Rose are all going to be there as uh, presenters. So nice. pretty wow. heavy-duty headliners. And, of course, lots of great talks by um, by web developers and application developers as well. So we've got a link to that uh, in the show notes, or you can just Google Future of Web Apps Las Vegas. Uh, if you're interested in that, I would highly haven't been to one, but uh, I follow Ryan Carson. He's got a lot of great insights. He's the one who produces the event, mm-hmm. and uh, they produce a lot of great events, Future of Web Apps and the Future of Web Design, which they do 
uh, they keep moving, you know, moving it around. So uh, it's in Las Vegas in February. Very cool. You have anything else? You know, um, I do have one thing that's, it's sort of, it's, it's semi self-promotional. Put that in there. But TEDx is actually coming to Fort Collins. I saw you tweet that. I'm I'm so excited. I put in for the license not too long ago, and it was approved. And so now it's just figuring out how to actually build a TEDx event. <laughs> um, never happened in Fort Collins before. We're we're hoping that it actually becomes a a, more, a multi-year thing. So um, cool. We don't have any speakers lined up. We don't. We have a venue lined up, but we don't have anything else. Where are you going to so, do it? Um, the Nunsuch Theater, actually, in Fort really? Collins. So, yeah, it's right on. How many does that seat? About fifty. So we're going to keep it that small. We can go up to 100. That's oh, a, there's that's, a limit. Yeah, we can only – because I've never been to a TED event. Oh. Um, you, if you've been to a TED event, you can do an unlicensed – you can do a licensed, unlimited venue size. Really? Uh, yeah. But since I haven't been, it's under 100. You, you have want to make sure you less. understand the, the feel of the thing. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. They, they want to make sure that you're, you've done it before. After you do so. one, then can you go bigger the next year or not necessarily? If you have somebody associated with you that has done a – once you get registered per year, you can do another license and another license and another license, and they won't stop you. But, but can you go bigger on the attendance? Yeah, you can go bigger, I think, on the attendance once you've done. And, and um, is it that you have to have attended a full TED event or any yeah, TEDx event? Yeah, I think event? you have to attend a full TED event. Wow. It can't be a TEDx event. I see. Yeah. Hmm. I went to TEDx in Boulder, and it was massive. Yeah. Uh, F, <clears throat> F. Rodriguez puts that on. And uh, he's actually, I think he was at a TED event in, in Texas. He was telling oh, me yeah. about that. So. And do you have dates yet? or No, we don't have okay. any dates yet. Uh, I was originally planning on December 5th. Oh my and gosh. that's yeah, that's that's not going to happen because um, there you couldn't actually register for a license until like last week, two weeks ago. Are you going to do it in 2011 then, or yeah, I'm thinking because uh, we don't want to butt into ignite. So. Yeah, ignite uh, global ignite week is uh, February whatever sixth through eleventh or something like that, and we're doing yeah. uh, ignite Fort Collins on February 10th. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm going to be running around a couple different states <laughs> to see where I can talk. <laughs> wow. Cool. Well, that's but, very exciting. I'm glad you're bringing that. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And if anybody wants to help out, they just uh, just let me know. Sweet. And contact information is in the show notes. Yeah. As are all the links for all the stuff we mentioned. I should Exactly. Uh, and then the last item I have, since uh, Steve had a humor item, I thought I'd share a humor item too, which I ran into. And have either of you run into this? Damnyouautocorrect.com. <laughs> I, I love it. Oh I, my god! I ran into that a couple days ago, and I, my wife and I just sat there and laughed. Oh, around, it so. is unbelievable. It is so funny. <clears throat> but it's um, kind of not safe for work if people are looking over your shoulder. A lot of them wind up it's with moderate, yeah. body parts listed <laughs> as a common <clears throat> autocorrection. But it's very funny. If you want to, uh, if you need a good laugh, definitely check out damnyouautocorrect.com. And uh, it's like a blog, and there's there's many, many, many posts per day. So it's constantly updated. Um, better than LOL cats, that's for sure. It's, it's, uh, there's, a, there's like a brother site of that, which I think is called Text from Last Night. I don't. Know I don't know if they're related, but you know, you know what happens when you get a college town and a bunch of people out partying, and and uh, somebody does a kegger headstand, and then texts or you know something their ex, and wow. that's that leads to they post them on the site. The exes do, and oh, uh, nice remove the phone numbers. But uh, yeah, it's it's some quality reading. Let me tell you. Wow. So did we have to lose our save our uh, clean tag because you said that? The name of the URL, or do we? 
No, I think we can. You remember George Carlin's seven words? As long as we don't. That's not on the list. Yeah, as long as we don't get there, we're okay. (laughs) All right, cool. Okay, so our, for our feature, feature for the week, um, we're going to actually just interview Nick Armstrong for a little bit because uh, Nick has done a lot of different things along in, in the world of web design and web development and social media, as you know from hearing the Social Media Minute. I am a web whore. That's, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we can say that without <laughs> explicit tag coming up. <laughs> so we, we really wanted to find out a little bit more about... Um, just we, I, I know a lot about Nick's background, but just to kind of share with everybody um, what your background is and what kind of what you focus on and where you're going. And, and yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, so I started I, when I graduated from CSU. I was, you know, back in the day, I was a uh, CIS major and I had a marketing background also. So I had a dual degree, and CIS is business programming. We're not like the you know, lock us in a closet, Linux geeks, where the, you know, we get in and make reports and generate charts and make really fancy Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. We help you leverage (laughs) your investments and interest and blah, 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 whatever, you know, Dilbert mission statement generator here. But yeah, that, that was, um, I started out doing that. I worked at HP for a while. I was supposed to be programming. Um, but I ended up (laughs) figuring out who we could actually fire. And really, yeah, it was a pretty soul crushing um, experience, but I loved HP and it was a really interesting experience because everybody loved HP when you were in there uh-huh. and they, you know, it was, it was funny. We were on the, we were in the building five top, top floor and uh, just beneath us was the imaging and printing group and the imaging and printing group had donuts <laughs> and not only did they, and as a fat kid, I can tell you, we did not have donuts on the top floor. We had, I think we barely had any tea. We had coffee, decaf coffee, and tea, maybe, <laughs> maybe on a good day. And the floor downstairs, and gray walls, by the way, gray, you know, cube boxes, box shaped cubes that right. you would have to sit in. Sometimes they would let you out. Um, <laughs> then, you know, downstairs, one floor down, the imaging, because they were the money makers. Right. They had colorful walls, they had glass windows, they had, you know, Cubes that weren't cubes, like there were actually no cubes on that floor. You could just walk around and talk to people, which as an IT guy, I was like, hey, you know, this would be pretty nice to actually be able to talk to people, but didn't, you know, no suggestion box. <laughs> um, it went away with the donuts. So after HP, because um, that didn't last forever, as you can tell, I went to a couple different programming jobs, bounced from place to place, did some ASP.NET programming, did a lot of, um, did some PHP programming, and all the while had started writing a blog, Psychotic Resumes, based on my experiences jumping from job to job to job, and how I actually managed to get employed nine times within the span of two years. And actually, wow, now it's 11. That is a lot. <laughs> now it's, now it's that would 11. That you psychotic. I see where yeah. the name of the website or blog came from. Well, you, you start to learn the games that people play. And, and how to use, you know, back in the day, Twitter and YouTube and blogging tools, I mean, they, they were around, but they weren't like popular domain like they are now. You can, you can, you say to your grandma, Hey, are you on Twitter? And she knows what you mean. If you said that back then, she'd have thought you were talking about something dirty, (laughs) but, but now they're commonplace back then they weren't. So that was really my sort of foray into web tools like social media and, and, and getting myself out there. 
Um, soon enough, I got a pretty decent following. We were getting about 2,000 hits per month on the site. and On the blog? Yeah, on the, cool. on the blog and just hanging around. And So what before you go any further, what kind of jobs did you have? I mean, you said programming, <laughs> but like for what kinds was, of companies? Uh, so one, one was a big software consulting firm that would just go in and solve problems. Mm-hmm. They would just find projects that were stalled and go and fix them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was HP, obviously. That, and after that, I worked for a um, digital college. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for a an international scuba organization mm-hmm. that uh, is actually one of the big three and uh, helped build out their web infrastructure. Um, I have worked for... Uh, where else did I work? I worked for a GIS company mm-hmm. who's making maps and, and uh, geolocation yeah. stuff like that. Really fun. Um, those guys, I, I actually did an Ignite presentation at um, Ignite Spatial Northern right. Colorado yeah, on how I uh, tweet sniffed my way to your mom's house. <laughs> and then how to get away. That does sound dirty. And then, yeah, it was actually. <laughs> I and my second presentation there was actually called uh, how to how to use GIS to kill your boss oh and get away with it. And so from then on after because of those two presentations I'm dubbed the creepy guy. <laughs> I wonder why. I had a Nerf shotgun with me too which was pretty fun. I got to shoot my ex-boss and it, he was he went along with it. It was fun but uh, you know, it was it was some serious topics and and learning about privacy. Geo, the GIS jobs, my goodness, did they teach you about privacy? Really? Yeah, because as as we were talking about these things and what they were doing with their data and how they how secure they were with it, um, I, I was just amazed at what they and then what people were starting to do with Foursquare because Foursquare had just come out at that time mm-hmm. that I was working at this company, and the stuff that people were giving away. For free, that had been, you know, privacy policy is enforced here, and if we violate it, we go to jail type stuff for the company was now for free on the internet mm-hmm. for anybody. It's fair game. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm very wary about tools like Foursquare and Gowalla now because of what I learned at that company mm-hmm. and what I've been watching people do. Um, and hmm. I'm just amazed that it hasn't, that something bad hasn't come from it yet. But I think it's just because it takes time and there you don't know, you know, criminals are pretty smart in that they like to track what mm-hmm. their where their breadcrumbs are. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's pretty easy to know where a pedophile is online. Right. But you necessarily don't want to know, you know, if if you were planning on hurting somebody, you don't know what the back end of Foursquare looks like unless you were a programmer there. And you don't know what's being tracked about you. And you don't know if your profiles being viewed have been looked at, you know, if you've, but right. people, you know, criminals, smart people will do this on paper and it's a huge privacy concern. Hmm. But, uh, well, and even when, when Facebook places came out, we talked about this a few episodes ago that, and I, I haven't actually turned it on for myself. Um, because I remember John Walters was talking about how you can actually check other people in. Yeah. Like, yeah. like a, you're like, if you go to someplace with your friends, you can check them all in. Yeah. Yeah, which that just seems wrong. <laughs> well, you know, I've I've seen people in Foursquare checking in their houses. Yeah, which, <laughs> why? You know, yeah, I'm not my house exactly. And you know, you're at home. It gives GPS coordinates. It tells you can <clears throat> see the place. It's publicly visible, especially if they're tweeting or putting it on Facebook. Right. And if they and the thing about these third party tools is if you send out information from 
a from like Foursquare, Gowalla to a third-party tool, you better have your your privacy settings locked down on that third-party tool too. In addition to Foursquare and Gowalla, right. One of the things that, and you know, we were originally talking about my background, and this is we've gotten off topic Let's, about that. But yeah, uh, and I'd like to soon move on to one sure. of the topics you wanted to talk about. Um, but we can finish your thought there. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it really, was it's just that if you're going to post stuff online, know where it's going, and know who has access to it, or know the consequences and be okay with it. And that's a hard thing. I mean, I mean, as we know. I don't know, just so much of what we post out there is public or findable. You know, I think uh, I just treat every, I treat it as everything that I post online, whether it's email or in Facebook or other places that theoretically are a little more, a little more private. I just all treat everything as if it's public because it could be. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the safest way to go about all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if we can jump ahead to a topic sure. for just a moment or for a little bit, you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about like business communication. Yeah. And uh, I was curious to hear your thoughts on electronic business communication. And Well, the, the you know, I tell people I'm giving myself the gift of freelancing on Christmas yes, this right. year. Um, it's, I, we came, my boss and I came to the joint decision that the position I was in just, I, I wasn't happy in it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't working well. I wasn't, you know, there's... But the company's great. The people I was working for, the people that I was working with, brilliant beyond comparison. And when I uh, was thinking about it, I was sitting there, you know, I've got brilliant stuff to do of my own too, and I'd like to do that. So one of my focuses, one of my big focuses is business communication mm-hmm. because everything that I've done, whether it's, you know, psychotic resumes or learning about web privacy or web tools, has come back to this idea of, what are we sharing online? How are we communicating? How are we connecting? And so I think that a big component of it is creativity. And with creativity comes storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very interested in, in that topic. So tell us more about the storytelling piece relative to communication. or Sure. Well, the, the best brands build a story around themselves, whether it's Nike and Just Do It or they're, you know, they, they talk about how these athletes aren't just, you know, they're not mythical beings. They're just humans that worked hard, knew what they wanted to do, knew what they could accomplish, and went out and did it, all the while wearing Nike stuff. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's related or not is in the minds of the consumers. <laughs> right. But that's the story that's being told. And you can look at other brands like Zappos. You know, the, There's a book out by the CEO of Zappos now talking mm-hmm. about yep. this idea of... Delivering happiness. Deli- yeah, Delivering Happiness is the name of the book. And uh, you, know, you, you really get this sense of if you bring the right story to a business and it, you know, even carpet businesses or tile businesses where it seems boring, but there's a story behind it. There's, you know, family tradition of, you know, maybe how the tiles are made or, you know, story about the, the quality of the carpet or the designs that go into it or the artistry. And, you know, it can't just be generic stuff. It doesn't work for that stuff. Yeah. But it does work for brands and businesses that, have a brand that they can identify with. So the idea of storytelling now can be transcended from human to human because it it all started with writing on the caves. Mm -hmm. But now we've got web tech that we can use like blogs and social media like Twitter and Facebook and these other tools that if they're used in the right way and in the right way means we're not sales pitching, we're not doing anything but telling a story and the story that the consumers want to hear – 
that can, they can connect with in a human way, mm-hmm. as if we were face-to-face telling them that story, then those businesses are doing very well. Yeah, that the makes businesses a lot of sense. that don't get it are the ones that you see spamming on Facebook and Twitter and yeah. mm-hmm. asking you to fan their kitty litter Facebook page. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not, it's not right. Not, it's not working well because it doesn't make sense. Who wants to be – who wants to like kitty litter on Facebook? <laughs> My cat. Your, your cat. <laughs> what if it were uh, the other kitty litter sucks and I like this one best? You know, that's a story. You have a story about, you know, this, this kitty litter is awful. I, I, you know, you could tell horrible kitty litter stories. Share your horrible kitty litter story. It could be something as simple as that. They do. I think they, uh, there was a, a website for one of those speaking about kitty litter was one of those things like you pick up pine, pine dust or whatever. And on the back, there was a website and you could tell your horrible kitty litter stories <laughs> and they would publish it on their website. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting so, user generated content there. Yeah. <laughs> And, but it's all people who are passionate about their cats. Sure, sure. So storytelling is, requires an audience that's just passionate about the topic. And mm-hmm. if you can identify those people and connect with them, then all the better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I hear a lot of businesses because I was a social media consultant for a long time um, for for the span of a year. And, I, you know, in, in social media, that's a long time. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> it, it, it mostly felt long um, <laughs> because you get, you get these people that are – they ask you, the businesses, business owners that say, well, we got to be on Facebook. we got to be on Twitter. we got to be – got to have a you – know. But why? Yes. That's the critical question is <laughs> why? Yeah. Why are you doing these things? Well, it's gone from – it's gone from just everybody needs a website. You know, when I, was, when I was making websites for people, that was always the first question I asked was why do you want a website? Yeah. You know, it – because there are so many directions you can go, and but when it comes to social media blogs and stuff like that, you're right. I, it's like it was about a year ago, I guess. Skittles had that fiasco. Skittles porn. You know what? <laughs> let me let me tell you a funny story about Skittles porn. I actually wrote a blog post about that, lauding them for their courage, but also saying how, kind of how silly it was that they hadn't filtered it out. Or, yeah. You know, given some lag time, like. You know, most radio stations governed by the right. FCC would. Um, and to, day, to this day, uh, the, my two top Google keyword hits from, uh, from my analytics account are Skittles porn. Oh, my gosh. And fat ass on a Wii Fit. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we're, we're definitely losing that clean tag now. Uh, you can bleep that out in post-production. Uh, the, but yeah, and, and you know, talking about businesses that do that sort of stuff, it's really cool when you go out in there and, and take care of it. But the the flip side is, if your customer service prerogative sucks, it's going to suck no matter where you're doing it. And I I hate to pull out Comcast in this, but I'm going to. Comcast cares on Twitter, but they don't care on the phone. Yeah, you have to know. wait four hours for a representative to, on the phone to fix your problem versus ten seconds on Twitter. What's well, the deal? Your customer service still sucks. Same thing. And I actually, when I was I applied for a job at Comcast and their uh, application, were you thinking I know <laughs> it was for a marketing consultancy or something like it was pretty good. I, I would have been in there changing some things around um, the, for a couple the, weeks. For a couple weeks until I was <laughs> shut down by the old fogies. Um, the, never mind. Um, the bitterness is coming out. Um, 
So we're talking about a system that you want, you want to work on the web. It's the application process. And they didn't have an application process that would work on Firefox, didn't work on the Mac, couldn't use Safari, had to use Internet Explorer on a PC to apply to this job in Comcast. Lovely. Yeah. I tweeted them about it, and I said, spent four hours applying to this job. Your application process sucks at Comcast Cares. They said, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was just taken aback by that. They, they knew that it sucked and didn't do anything about it. And they're, you know, therefore, what? You know, how, did that, how did that go? Were they going to forward my application? I don't know. Could I have complained yeah. to them a little bit more maybe? No, not really. And the problem really there care. is that I, I, I actually heard a news story about the guy who actually was behind the, the Twitter account, Comcast Cares. He just started doing that. He happened to work at Comcast, and he was going above and beyond. And so, you know, how do, how do, you, how, you, know, how do you propose if, if – say you're in a company like that, maybe Comcast, maybe that's, there's not as many giant companies like that. Mm-hmm. But say you're in a company that you want to improve the story and so forth. How do you how do you start that process? Well, I think you know, having worked for uh, you know Peter Sheehan, it was uh, who's who I work for right now. Um, really smart guy, and he tells the the thing he's, he, he during the interview and during some of his talks, he he said the thing that causes him to lose sleep at night is why didn't Sony invent the iPod? Sony had the hardware they had the you know the mm-hmm. Walkman style they had the distribution they had they the, had the brand at that time they had they the brand the, yeah. they had the technology yeah. they had the R and D they had the music let's not forget about Sony Music Labels yeah. which yeah. owns pretty pretty much everything Lots, all of those sure. components were very siloed mm-hmm. and nobody was talking to each other no communication was occurring mm-hmm. nobody was going back and forth yeah. nobody said it's hey really what, have you guys tried together. this they said. You know, one of the stories that he likes to tell is, you know, they had the prototype. They had it. But they couldn't get anybody to talk to each other. Nobody was willing to break that silo. So Apple, of course, comes along and, you you know, the iPod is the the story of innovation and all the rest of that stuff. But um, there's there's it doesn't have to be confined to large companies. You can have a company of one. You can have a company – well, it takes a conversation. So you usually have to have a company of one plus your friend or your wife um, or in my case or a, a company of two to five and be just as innovative as Apple. Maybe not as magical in the classical term right. but you can still do some pretty amazing stuff if you just put your mind to it and open the doors of communication. And storytelling doesn't have to occur externally only. It can occur internally too. So a very simple shift that I teach businesses how to make now is uh, failure is not a game-ending thing. Mm-hmm. Failure is a natural part of the process of yeah. idea generation. You're going to come into crappy ideas. It's just going to happen. But as long as you keep in mind that it's just part of the process, you can recover from that and keep moving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it just takes that that idea that failure isn't a horrible thing because most businesses are failure averse. You know, we can't do it. We can't fail. We can't do anything like that. We don't. We don't want to look like failures. We don't want to sound like. We don't say. We don't want to encourage it. But if you get them to that mindset where they're not adverse, but tolerant, that makes all the difference. Yeah. Because Apple's failure tolerant. There was a great blog sure. post by um, Matt. 
ma.tt, the founder of WordPress and Automatic, mm-hmm. Automatic Group. Mm-hmm. Matt Mullenweg. Yeah, Matt Mullenweg. He, he wrote a great blog post that was promoted by Seth Godin who talked about releasing the 1.0 version, releasing the beta. Apple was sitting on, you know they were sitting on an iPhone 4 for months, maybe years. But they released the 3, you know, they, they released the 3G, mm-hmm. then they released the 3GS, you know. What, do you, what are we going to do with it? Well, they had to work those bugs out. They had to see how it was testing. They were okay with releasing the beta because look at the market share that they've got now. iPad is a 1.0 device, obviously. It was thankfully released with 3G, but doesn't have a camera, has to have a cord to connect to VGA, doesn't do Bluetooth as well as it probably could, and the 4.2 iOS will fix some of those issues. But understand that they're okay with releasing a beta, and you have to be too as a small business owner or a, a, you know, a web consultant. You just have to put it out there to, for people to test and play with, or ideas for that matter in your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm listening to the uh, to Lynchpin by Seth mm-hmm. Godin again. Great book. And, and I just I just got to the point again uh, today, this afternoon on the way here, actually, where he's talking about how you give yourself a D. And what he means is, um, you know, if, when you when you develop something, when you get a proposal together or something, do something that you know everybody else is going to think is D quality work. Not, I mean, still do your best and you know, do do good quality, but so other people look at it and go, "What are you thinking?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, because you have to force yourself out of some of that comfort zone. And, oh yeah, to get to the point where you're doing something innovative and that is art. That's beyond just everybody does that. Yeah, you know? and it hurts to put that stuff out there at first, and that's that failure adverse part. You know, right. you, you don't want to get criticized for something that you know is not well polished, rep- representative of your ego. Like this podcast, for example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Largely due to Nick's contributions, but <laughs> no, not this podcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, it comes together on a fly, right? But look at you know, look at the cool stuff that's behind it. You know, look at the great minds that you've already had. You've already got an Audible sponsorship. I had nine episodes of Psychotic Resumes podcast. I didn't get an Audible sponsorship. That just tells me that the, the, the work that's going behind it is great. And I, by the way, waited months between episodes of Psychotic Resumes podcast to release them because mm-hmm. they had to be polished. They had to be, I had a background in radio. Mm-hmm. My ego was attached to this podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. It must sound technically proficient. It must, I must not sound like an idiot. <laughs> and... You know, if I were if I were doing that style of editing here, I, my segment would be sixty seconds. <laughs> Which, you know, you could tell. But the, <laughs> so it it all comes. It's it's just a the the price of storytelling is sometimes you screw the story up. But even when you screw the story up, you can get back right on the tail. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves a detour in a story. It just makes for a better story. Look at Lord of the Rings. That movie, all of them are like nine hours long. Plus, the, if you watch the extended <laughs> stuff, that's yeah. like 12 oh, exactly. or 20 hours. I could do that all day. But it's because there's all this cool. And they cut out the Tom Bombadil stuff. I know. No Come doubt. on. All big sections. <laughs> totally. So, um, 
so circling back to kind of the end of your history here mm -hmm. to the present, you had mentioned uh, something coming up soon or something you're working on that you might want to chat about briefly here. Yeah. And so um, tell us about that. And, and not to be too self-promotional, but the, the business that I am founding is based around those ideas that I was just talking about. And it's called Creative Renegade. And we we remind businesses how to be creative mm -hmm. through improving their communication with their customers, their employees, and their business partners. We help them to connect better with those people to become failure tolerant rather than failure adverse. Okay. Help them to understand the web technology that they're using, the strategies behind it, rather than just, you need a Facebook page, you need a Twitter account. We actually give them a unique idea that they, I'm actually going to be hopefully working with a, a hot dog vendor in Loveland. Nice. His he's, he, his business card says hot dog slinger. I love it. That's cool. <laughs> it's a great business title in the in the in the world of made up titles. Awesome, definitely. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm going to be working with him to create a web strategy based on some of the hot dog carts that have been going around New York, where they just post their you know Foursquare. They log into a location, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and people come in and build out for them. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's a cool use of Foursquare. Yeah, and I, I think that and this guy is cool. He digs it. So I think that we'll you know I'm going to do it for free for him, just because I think that that is a really viable test case. Totally. So what, what kind of clients would be good clients for this uh, new business venture of yours? Well, I'm, I'm primarily looking for Fort Collins businesses who need help connecting with, you know, I, the other aspect that I haven't really talked about is Gen Y management. Mm -hmm. Gen Yers are notorious, millennials as they're also called, are notoriously hard to manage. You know, we show up late, we dress casually, we talk on our cell phones, we like, you know, text messaging and Gen, uh, Gen Z, which is the next one down. Uh, their monthly text, their average text is like a thousand per month. Wow! Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> you're doomed, Steve. <laughs> That's right. It's but those kids who are approaching that age, just buy the unlimited text <laughs> plan and don't look back. Um, <laughs> really, they're going to be even harder than we are to manage because their expectations and um, thoughts on communication are going to be radically different. And understanding and managing those expectations, not only from not just from the Gen and Y and Gen Z perspectives, because they can't always be right. It, it's a it's a shared thing. Mm -hmm. You have to work from both the business angle and the Gen Y and Gen Z perspective. And by the way, Gen X, who's now becoming middle management, is notoriously quiet. And with the rock and roll generation, we don't like the authority. They're going to be the authority now. So, you know, they're going to need to understand this perspective and baby boomers especially as they reach the upper echelons of these companies need to understand those perspectives as well and so far it, it hasn't come across very well you know you if you just google gen y you're going to see a lot of negative articles about millennials um the gen slackers y yeah slackers <laughs> there's a, a comic um that has the, a, like a plumber crack <laughs> uh, Gen Y, and it just has generation oh, as a tattoo on the back, and then it says Y with the butt crack. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. And cute, uh, cute. so, definitely, we're considered slackers. Entitled is another one that I hear running around. Um, uh, spoiled brats because we were the quote unquote trophy generation. That's just not true. I mean, we might have been trophy. I, I went zero and ten in my little league basketball and still won a trophy and got a pizza party. <laughs> but I knew that we had lost. It's not that we didn't understand the the implications of losing and that the other teams weren't, you know, were better than us, but it's just that, you know, 
moving forward, if you can apply those lessons in life, how you choose to deal with it. And Gen Y chooses to deal with failure completely differently than other generations have in the past. And it's, it's that service generation thing that seems to revolve every 60 or so years. This is the Gen Y is the service generation. You're going to see a lot of people asking for not benefits or for a company to take care of them for their lives, but hmm. for a job that's meaningful, for an ability yeah. to actually change the world, because that's what we want to do. <laughs> that's cool. And that's the value that Gen Y plays. Not, it's it's a little bit on salary because, you know, we've, we've got our brands Everybody to keep to up with. Yeah. yeah, got our brands to keep up with, got our iPods to buy. But <laughs> the, the thing that we really care about is this service, this idea of service and giving back to the community to our, you know, we're mm-hmm. doing meaningful work. We care about what we're doing. That's important stuff. So as you're tying this, the Generation Y millennials focus on your, uh, you know, how does that fit in with the new business as far as strategy and communication strategy and that kind of a thing? Are you hoping to work with companies run by Gen Yers or companies that service Gen Yers or how, how does that fit together? Well, you know, businesses of, uh, I, I, I foresee myself servicing businesses of any type from um, five employees on up to 500. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with all of those companies and the single thing that they have that is their biggest problem is communication. And whether that's external communication through web tools or communication in-house with their employees or their prospective employees and how to retain and bring them in Mm -hmm. and what those policies and expectations and management needs to look like or communication between teams that aren't performing as well or could have more creative ideas or have higher output if only they knew what the other people on the team knew. And moving past that, the people who uh, – businesses that need to communicate with each other. So businesses that communicate with each other, you know, whether it's suppliers or other partners or things like that, those relationships have to be managed. The stories still have to be told. So you know, the, the, the problem of business communication being insufficient is one that goes throughout the organization. And I think that anywhere where somebody sees a failure in business communication is somewhere that I could probably help them out. Okay. Very cool. And if people want to get a hold of you, how can they find you? Well, I'm on Twitter, um, and all you have to do is Google Nick Armstrong. I'm one of the top results. <laughs> it's, it's I'm Nick Armstrong. I am without an apostrophe um, and without the A. And it's I'm Nick Armstrong on Twitter. Cool. So, uh, And if you want to check out the new business, uh, there's no website up just yet, but it is creativerenegade.com, and you can subscribe to get an update when it is available. So, Very cool. cool. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, That's yeah thank luck. you. Well, we have a podcast sponsor, as we mentioned before, audible.com. And um, I'm going to, the book I picked for this week, I hope you have listened to it or heard it. Okay, it's one of those books that you can have, you, you could have read this book 12 times, and the audiobook is still 1,200 times better than that. Oh, wow. It's um, by John Hodgman. It's more Love information him. than you require. <laughs> it's, Love a, it. it's the sequel to his book. Um, the Areas of My Expertise, which is also amazing cool. in audio. I've heard about and, both, and I love John Hodgman, but I've not yeah, read the, or listened to either. The audio books of both of those books are so good. Awesome. John, John Hodgman, as you know, is the PC from the PC versus Mac commercial. Exactly. Right? You see online. And the guy is hilarious. My wife so does he read it himself? doesn't think it's funny. He re- he reads it himself. Oh, awesome! But it's it's more than that. It's like an audio. It's like an audio. It's like a radio production because he has. Um, uh, 
Jonathan Colton is one of his good friends, and he he did like the Code Monkey song and a lot of this stuff. So he has a, he has a theme song. And he's like with him all the time. And Paul Rudd reads some of the book. Wow! And he That's has amazing. all these people that, that come in and do parts of it. And he there's there's stuff in in the book in the audio book that's not in the actual written book. Oh wow! That he throws he in bonus there. Bonus material. And, awesome. Yeah, and the way he delivered it is, is just so dry. And it's it's a fake. It's a book of fake trivia essentially. <laughs> that's what he says. And he apologizes that once in a while, you know, an actual fact might slip through. <laughs> but um, I wanted to put this one of the funniest pieces of it. I wanted to play. It's like twenty seconds long. He's talking about the different foods in um, the native foods to America. Okay. And he's talking about oysters, and you can tell how much he loves oysters from from this. Man. Oysters. How and when and why. Do you like to eat living creatures that taste like snot that's been rubbed on rocks and old silverware? Then you should try oysters. <laughs> but as noted, it is critical that you never eat them in months whose names lack the letter R. In case you are unable to spell, the months without the letter R are as follows: May, June, July, I'm writing this down. August, February. <laughs> but don't worry. Come September, the oyster's rudimentary voice box will have disappeared, and they will not scream when you eat them. Awesome. So it goes on like that. And That's great. It's like a 12-hour-long book or something. The first half is actually the book, and the second half, he has a an audio uh, fact per day. It's like a tear-off calendar audio version. And then he actually reads the 700 Mole Man names and their occupations. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> the first book, he reads 700 uh, hobo names. <laughs> but it's... it's uh, he is anyway. crazy. So, audible.com uh, is the, the sponsor. It's a visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash Einstein. And if you sign up, you get a free book that you can keep even if you don't continue on the, um, on the plan. But once you get, if you get hooked on uh, Audible books, I I'm a total addict right now. Me too. It's and, horrible. Uh, yeah, I get, I've never been able to escape. Uh, <laughs> I get two credits a month, and and uh, with the iPhone, you know, there's a great iPhone app from Audible. I don't know if you yes. used it, but you can download the books now directly yes. on your iPhone to your iPhone. After uh, it's great, so you don't even have to sync up with your computer. And then the uh, the Audible. Um, app has some extra features that are pretty nice like you can skip back 30 seconds oh, yeah which you, which you can't on the regular podcast player on the iphone right now so i always listen to it in my car mm-hmm. and that's my biggest complaint because i i can't go back and you know mm-hmm. it, it you can't just work the ipod controls while you're driving right although i have been accused of trying <laughs> <laughs> not that you've ever done that not that i've ever done that well yeah, the, if the fort collins police are listening tonight i've never done that <laughs> By the way, I drive a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, audiblepodcast.com slash Einstein. And our book club, uh, just a reminder that our next book is Undercover User Experience Design. And we're going to be discussing this on episode eight. Currently, this is episode six. So we've got one more episode in between. Yeah. Uh, so you've got about a month or a little less. We try to do these every two weeks, although we have been a little remiss lately but yeah. we're uh, we're working on it life happens with the holidays. Yeah, life happens life happens but we're uh, we're trying to get on it here uh so either have, way you have 
everybody has plenty of time to read that. Exactly. It's That's not, the point. It's not a lot. Uh, you can go to the, their website, which is undercoverux.com. And it's also – so the idea here is that you would read the book. And as you have questions about it or comments about it, please go to our website, einsteinandsockmonkey.com. And there's a page for the book club and leave some comments there. Uh, our hope is to get some discussion going and – we will, you know, work with your comments and questions when we review the book and discuss it on episode yeah, eight. I'm hoping to get um, Kenneth and James on the on the podcast. Like that would be so sweet. Time. That'd be cool. And then present them with the list of questions and interrogate them profusely. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and I noticed that um, today that Kenneth Bulls, one of the the authors of this book, is doing the closing plenary at the IA Summit in Denver. Exactly. That we don't have tickets to. That we will get tickets to when they start yes, selling them. <laughs> oh, that one. Not right. yet. The IA not Summit. Not the one that sold out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Even better. Yeah, we'll that's get there. right. We can actually get tickets to that one, so that's awesome. <laughs> and we'll have interviewed him before that. So exactly. So hopefully we'll, we'll be his best friend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that might be reaching a little. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's go on to our blogs of the week. Oh. Ron, go ahead. All right, so my blog of the week is my favorite one at this time of the year, which is 24ways.org. Uh, it's the number 24ways.org, and it's the advent calendar for web geeks. So starting in December, every single day they publish uh, one article about web design or development. As they say, their daily dose of web design and development goodness to bring you all a little Christmas cheer. So it is just fantastic. They have really top-notch authors, and uh, every year around this time in November, I start getting antsy, can't, can't wait for December 1st to come along. The worst part about December is there's not enough time in the month to, for me to read all the posts on there, yeah. but it is, it's really a blast. So, well, because you're Clark Griswolding your house, aren't you? <laughs> just... Only if you come over and help. Oh, I'll help. <laughs> well, I was wondering if you get a piece of waxy chocolate every day. <laughs> that's right. You know, that's the fun part, like an advent calendar, yeah. right? You, know, you get to open a little surprise every day. So it's, there you go. That was like my hamster cage in fifth grade. You get a surprise every day. <laughs> But a, a bit of free advertising for City Drug. If you're in Fort Collins, City Drug has German advent calendars in stock Very just now. Cool. Wow. It's actual good chocolate. It's not like awesome. actual wax. Thank you. So I, uh, I I didn't have a blog, but I would like to mention something really cool that I found. Go ahead. So Conan, as you know, is back on the air. O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah, Conan O'Brien. Love Conan O'Brien. I can do the, you know. Keep going, my babies. I love it, right? <laughs> um, but I was noticing that he had advertisements for the Mighty Wallet. And the Mighty Wallet is a – it's it's like made out of plastic. They call it Titec or something. Yeah. Mm. It's fully recyclable. It's made from 25% post-consumer plastic content. Yeah, uh-huh. It's water-resistant. It doesn't tear. And it feels like paper. It feels like money. Is it like Tyvek? Yeah, Tyvek. Yeah, yeah. Tyvek. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's cool stuff. It's an amazing material. I ordered one because they're only like 15 bucks or whatever. And I got it in the Enterprise. I'm showing it off right now. It's oh, sweet. like the blueprints for the Enterprise. And it expands to the size that you need it to. I've already cut down like two there's, inches there's off no my... There's no money in here, Nick. No, there's... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> I, was, I was about to say I've already cut down two inches off my waistline, but... The... <laughs> But yeah, it's it's slim. I like it. I've I've been using it for a few days now, and it's pretty sweet. Awesome. Um, and it it feels you know the texture. It feels like yeah, money. I love, so. I love the look of it. 
And I love the very enterprise. Slick. So even if you have no money, you feel enterprise. like you have money. It, can, it does feel like you have money. And uh, I they, they make all sorts of different designs. You can ask them for a custom one. You just really? have to email them. Yeah. Wow. And then you, they can, you can draw on them, too. Wow. You can actually – they use just permanent marker, but you can draw on them and customize them whatever you want them to. That's cool. Yeah. Because I, I have a duct tape wallet. One of my friends makes Those are duct cool tape too. everything. Yeah. Awesome. But the problem is after a while, you know, it's in your back pocket. You're and sitting on it. The, the glue starts seeping Oozing. out. Yeah. yeah. But you know what the coolest part uh, – and I this was what I geeked out about was when I saw the advertisement. They put a QR code. You know one of those UPS yeah. symbols so you can track the packages? They put a QR code in the advertisement, asked you to pause your TV <laughs> no way. and take a picture of it to go to the website. Cool. Oh, that's, that's, that's I, that, they just love it. And it, they all of their designs, like Mighty Mouse and their Star Trek, they have three different Star Trek oh, ones. are all cool. cartoons and comic books from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Cool. Really cool. To, uh, Mighty, MightyWallets.com. Cool. And awesome. it's Dynatech. You might want to Google it because it took me somewhere uh, dirty. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get the right link and put it in yeah. the show notes. So yeah. <laughs> well, the blog I had is ninety percent of everything dot com, and it's nine zero percent of everything. And um, I we've mentioned this. I've mentioned this blog before in a news story because the author of this blog, Harry Brignall, um, actually created darkpatterns.org, dot um, org, talking about dark patterns and UX. And he's recently actually converted that to a wiki. It was a blog, hmm. um, and. Strangely enough, Audible got nailed on darkpatterns.org about some shady things that they were doing <laughs> UX-wise. <laughs> but immediately, like five hours after it got posted, Audible, like one of the VPs, replied and then fixed it. So nice. So it's, you know, it's nice that it's a wiki because anybody can post stuff up there. So, um, And strangely enough, it's this, once again, the UX world converges on Brighton. Harry Brignall is in Brighton. In the how about UK. that? And his Twitter handle is Harry Br. So, but the, he has awesome posts um, on all kinds of stuff from usability testing to um, the, everything about UX. So, I'd really definitely recommend that. And what was the title of the blog go back to? <laughs> um, I honestly don't know. Ninety percent of everything. It's just ni- ninety. It's, it's not everything. About, it's just oh, mostly everything. Mostly. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I looked at the about page, but I didn't. I didn't. Ninety percent of everything is horribly designed. Does he like say maybe that's what it, it goes back to? He not correlated. Really say. Hmm. I that's a question that we'll have to ask him. Definitely. Well, thanks for listening to everybody. Um, great sixth podcast. I don't know. Is that a like not even paper anniversary, <laughs> but um, thanks to Josh Mulligan for doing the show notes as always. And I was going to say thanks to Nick Armstrong for doing the social media minute, but we're not going to bother with the social media minute this week. Longer than a minute. Because we've got a social media hour. I'm not used to talking this much. <laughs> I just talk in 60 second bursts. If, yeah. if it's not covered in those 60 seconds, I'm done. <laughs> We can edit, edit it down. Okay. Yeah, we can edit that. That actually makes it really funny to do a little 60-second version of it. Just to, I don't know. could be cute. It's up to you, Nick, if you want to do that. Anyway. I'm all for it. Uh, so a reminder, visit our website at EinsteinAndSockMonkey.com, and we would love your feedback. You can find me on Twitter at Ron underscore Z. And Steve? Uh, Twitter is at CleverCubed. And Nick? I'm, I'm Nick Armstrong, which I am considering changing. 
<laughs> but for now, but for now, you can find I'm, I'm Nick Armstrong, and uh, please do subscribe to the podcast and iTunes. And the best thing you can do to help us get found by other users is to rate us in iTunes. So please leave yeah. a comment in iTunes and give us a rating, and uh, that would just be fantastic. And we would love you forever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it out on the crazy haired dudes because I talked for longer than sixty seconds today. <laughs> uh, that's why we did this digitally. We can just cut it out. <laughs> You'll be taken care of in post-production, Nick. <laughs> it's not live. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. Einstein and Sock Monkey is sponsored by CodeGeek.net, a full-service web design and development agency, and CleverCubed.com, providing user experience design, usability testing, and information architecture. And presented by Ron Zazadinsky and Steve Martin. Music provided by the band Black Lab. Find them at blacklabworld.com. Stop.